0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Wednesday, July 21st. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. St. Louis City and County are considering further steps to slow another potential wave of COVID-19. In a joint statement, health officials say the number of new cases per day is up nearly 35 percent in just a week. They are stopping short of issuing a mask mandate but say, quote, this is a topic of conversation. They are also urging people to wear the coverings indoors even if you are vaccinated. The heightened concern comes as the Delta variant continues to drive new cases of COVID-19 throughout Missouri. That joint statement follows an appeal from the St. Louis Metropolitan Pandemic Task Force for the region's residents to wear masks in public places. Task Force leader Dr. Clay Dunnigan says not enough people have received the vaccine. The problem is that we didn't achieve the level of vaccination needed to protect us against a surge of more transmissible variants, such as the Delta virus that we're currently facing. Dunnigan adds that more contagious Delta variant and relaxed public health measures are making things worse. The appeal for masks is just a recommendation, but still differs from federal officials who say fully vaccinated people can resume activities without wearing a mask or social distancing. As health officials try to put off a third wave of the pandemic, Missouri will announce a statewide vaccination program today. Governor Mike Parson will unveil the initiative at a news conference in Jefferson City. He will also announce the new full-time director of the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. A longtime president of Harris-Stowe State University has died. Henry Givens Jr. served as president of the Historically Black College in St. Louis for 32 years before retiring in 2011. Student enrollment at Harris-Stowe tripled under his leadership. Givens died at home yesterday of unknown causes. He was 90. The U.S. Census Bureau will release data that cities and states will use to draw legislative districts next month, and the Bureau is making it easier to avoid so-called prison gerrymandering. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports. Prison gerrymandering happens when governments include inmate population numbers when drawing local legislative districts or ward maps. Alex Castura is the legal director of the Prison Policy Initiative. She says this can distort how residents are represented in communities with correctional facilities, which are mostly in rural parts of Illinois and Missouri. If there's a prison population that was counted there by the census and they use that census population to draw those districts, you can end up with districts that basically have no actual city residents in them. Castura says It's usually not that extreme, but there can be districts where nearly half the population is incarcerated. She says the Bureau will include the number of people in local prisons in the data released next month, something it hasn't provided to cities in the past. I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. More than two dozen residents in Cahokia Heights are suing their local government over continued failures to fix sewer problems. The legal action alleges the common fields of Cahokia Public Water District violated the Clean Water Act by discharging raw sewage into tributaries that flow into the Mississippi River. Plaintiff Mary Anthony says city leaders promised the sewer issues would be fixed when Allerton, Centerville, and Cahokia merged earlier this year.
1: I thought things were going to be different, you know, that we were going to see a change, and we have not seen that change. We need help. We need somebody to step in and fix the problem.
0: The lawsuit seeks damages for the harm caused by the flooding and sewage issues and calls on common fields to stop operating its sewer system. The sunflowers are back in bloom at the Columbia Bottom in north St. Louis County. As St. Louis Public Radio's Kendall Crawford reports, the Missouri Department of Conservation's Fields of Flowers is open for public viewing again this summer. People come from all over the area to snap a selfie with a sunflower. But MDC Wildlife Management biologist Luke Wemhoff says it's about more than just getting the perfect Instagram photos. It's also a great way to get people interested in nature.
1: It ends up when they come out, walk around the area, see all the other native plants, and um, not just the sunflowers or um, all the wildlife around. Sometimes it makes them want to come back.
0: The sunflowers were first planted to attract doves for the fall hunting season. Now that it's a popular photo destination, MDC planted more flowers to extend the season. This year, the fields will be open and in bloom from sunrise to sunset all the way through mid-August. I'm Kendall Crawford, St. Louis Public Radio. Ronald Young taught art in St. Louis and Kirkwood for more than three decades before becoming a full-time artist. He makes sculptures from debris around North St. Louis. An exhibition of Young's work at the gallery at the Kranzberg reflects African ideas about recalling the past. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin asked Young how the objects he has found in the street led him to a new kind of art. My first year at graduate school at Washington University, I was stumbling through the dark. I didn't want to paint
1: anymore. I didn't want to work with anything familiar. I wanted to have a totally new environment, a totally new language, a totally new way of working. I just started collecting stuff without even knowing where I was going with it. I just started collecting materials. Materials like what? Bricks, burnt wood, tools, rusty items. It's almost like they called me. I would ride down the street and I would see something slam on the brakes, jump out, throw it in the back of my truck. I didn't even know what I was going to do with it. Eventually, what I began to understand is is that these objects had a voice. I gave it a voice, but they, they resonated with me. And I started kind of looking back in history and understanding that the whole concept of power objects. What's a power object? The concept of power objects comes from the belief, the African diaspora belief, that all objects in nature have a soul. And what I began to understand is is that because these objects were touched by human, they have a life they lived a life you can actually look at the objects and you see the rust and you see the use of it i use them to just um, make a statement about the strength and the resiliency of the
0: community well your exhibition the prevalence of ritual yes. at the Kranzberg gallery yes there's a lot of charred wood rusted pieces of metal nails twisted rope Yes. Uh, photographs of doorways in brick buildings that yes. are in disrepair. Yes. And being in the presence of this, is a feeling of, of, of history, of maybe continuity yeah. with the ancestors.
1: Yeah. For me, the history is I ride down these streets on the north side. As I ride through these areas, I ride through the Ville, I ride through Old North, and I remember what the neighborhood used to look like. And what it looks like now. And I needed to make people see what I saw. It's all this history that's that's there that we just kind of don't pay attention to or don't value. I think that people need to really take another look.
0: I want to be sure we talk about and get straight a little bit the thematic underpinnings here in terms of traditions that you're tapping into that go across the ocean to Africa. Right. We talked about the power object. Right. Tell me about Sankofé. Sankofé
1: is the African concept of understanding one's past in order to move forward. And that's and embedded at the heart of this That's project. embedded at the heart of this. I'm, I'm more interested in things that have a character, more things that have, a, a, um, have lived that you can actually look at them. And you can see this object has been around a while. And if you stand before it, Something in your gut is going to happen. Uh, a friend of mine says, "You look at it until you see it."
0: Would you describe these sculptures as beautiful?
1: Yeah, I think they're beautiful. I think they're beautiful. I, I, I often say that my work is—it uh, can be dangerous if you stand too close to it. It, it, it you know, it, it'll scratch you if, if. You mean physically dangerous? Physically, yeah. Okay. Th- yep. Don't lean uh, against yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But that's the purpose. The works are intended to evoke feeling of, boy, if I stand too close to that, I could get hurt. And I'm like, yeah, but the hurt that the community is feeling. And I really don't want to get into the politics of it because it it takes away from the art. You know, I I just wanted to make a statement about uh, the community and uh, the, um, the ability of people to literally
0: let these areas deteriorate. That was St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin speaking with artist Ronald Young. Our David Cosares edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway.